Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us today as we continue on in the study we're doing of the New Testament. And uh, we're very, very glad you're with us. So, I just see something going on. I know I'm being recorded, but, but Sarah, I think Georgina is looking for you. She just tried to get in that door and it was locked and now she's down here. So that will make the TV show too and that's okay. Okay, I'm going to restart. She's coming up to see you on the other side, Sarah. So I have to say hello again. I'm sorry. Here we go. Hello, everybody. That wasn't enough of a pause. Wait. <laughs> now, I want this to make the outtake real because I think that would be really funny. Yeah, yeah, so let's have a nice outtake real. Oh, and look, and Mike is standing finally. Good job, Mike. Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody stop. Hello. <laughs> Uh, and he's standing thank you very much Mike that's helping me a great deal <laughs> no no this is silly hello everybody welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a study we're doing through the New Testament we're working through the New Testament a chapter at a time We've uh, worked through the Gospels together, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. we worked through the book of Acts. And now we're tackling the letters that Paul wrote uh, in as close uh, as we can figure out to the, the order that he wrote them in. And today we're going to finish up our study of 2 Corinthians. We're actually going to look at verses 12 and 13 today as we, uh, as we close down this, uh, this book. And then we'll be heading into a new book next week. And I, I'm not sure yet. There's a toss-up. We're either going to do Romans next or we're going to do First Timothy. They were written, written right about the same time. So uh, I'm not sure which direction. I, we may go and do Timothy just for something a little different and then, uh, then head back to the book of Romans. I'm not sure. I'll let you know next week. Um, but as of, as of going to this study, I'm not sure which direction I'm going in next week, one or the other. So one of two directions. Um, we're looking at Paul's letters now because we have the context of the missionary journeys in Acts that we studied and when you look at these in context it just helps you um, remember Paul was writing these letters back to brand new churches they were going through a lot of problems some of the very similar problems that we have today uh, a lot of the same issues were taking place and and Paul was addressing them and so when you when you look at the text when you read um, these, the letters that Paul wrote, you have to hold in mind it's an intention at some level that they were being written uh, for a specific purpose and addressing specific questions. Um, what he said is still very much applicable to today. However, we want to make sure that we're not taking it so um, drastically out of context that we're making us say something is really not saying. So, so how, holding it in the tension of the way that it was written and the way that these events took place in, in history helps us to uh, hopefully understand a little bit better about what's going on. The Corinthian church, as we've now talked about in two letters, was a, was a great church. Um, it, it was, uh, it was a, 
a growing church. It had great impact. Um, they had been blessed by the Spirit of God. They were gifted. They were moving. And yet, because they were also had a lot of issues. They had a lot of struggles. They had a, they'd come from a really intense sort of pagan background. There was a lot of issues in the way that they were operating. They were experiencing some freedoms now that they were taking advantage of. They were um, all sorts of situations going on that had to be addressed. And Paul's been addressing them in, the, in virtually two letters, uh, different things that were happening. And he's also been dealing with, in this, this second letter to the Corinthians, a group of false uh, apostles who'd shown up and um, had said that they were there from the church in Jerusalem, which we can't really verify, and then the church in Jerusalem wouldn't have sent them out with the message they had anyway. And they were trying to put on the Gentile church um, things that were uh, only applicable really to the, the Jewish believer. And that the council of churches that, that happened in Acts had already said, you know, it's not important for the Gentiles to do these things. And yet the Judaizers were trying to put it on them. They were trying to make things legalistic. And uh, it was causing divisions. The people in Corinth were picking sides and, and following different people. They lacked maturity. And they didn't understand that because they had um, been so well gifted. They assumed that their giftedness means they were spiritually mature. And yet they weren't at all. So Paul's been addressing all these issues in the church over the last couple of letters and, and uh, in the, the long study that we've been doing, trying to straighten these things out. And in this last little chunk, he's really sort of, uh, these last few chapters we looked at, he's kind of really going after and setting uh, in, into place um, how he feels about these false apostles, these super apostles. He's making a clear distinction between his ministry and theirs. And um, he's pointing out the, the great differences. And in order to do that, he's been, um, in the last chapter, he said, that, look, I have to boast about some things, although he was very hesitant to do it. And really his point has been, you know, these are the things that I've done for you because I love you in Christ, which included hardships and beatings and shipwrecks and you name it, he went through it. And he said, these other guys wouldn't do any of that. And all they really want from you is your money. And he says, you know, in contrast, I never asked you for anything. In fact, I made it my point never to be a burden on you. And so that's what we were looking at in uh, chapter 11. Now as we go into 12 and 13, he's, he's sort of continuing on some of that discussion. And then he's telling them, look, I'm going to be coming to you soon. And when I get there, really, you've got to have this stuff straightened out. Or else I'm going to have to take care of some of these issues and you really don't want me to do that. He said, I don't want to come and do that either. Get it straightened out before I get there. And then he again reminds them of how much love he has for them, which has always been the case. You know, when you look at um, the way Paul uh, goes back and loves on people, you need to think of him as uh, sort of like a parent, a really good parent who gets it and who loves and is only trying to get them to make good decisions because they're the best decisions for them. And uh, as a parent, you can, I think, relate to that. I mean, um, you know, if you're, uh, if you had, a, or if you're, Hopefully you were parented well. It's, it's pretty easy to relate to. Um, you know, sometimes when we're trying to parent our children, we tell them certain things or no. They might not like the fact that we tell them certain things or no, but we know it's the best thing to tell them because a lot of us have experienced what the opposite looks like. And so we do that not because we want to um, cause them to miss out on anything, but because we love them so much. We don't want to have to go through the hard stuff that we know accompanies those decisions. And so Paul is, is always trying to help the Corinthian church do the right thing because he loves them. 
and, and that um, you need to take that in and he, and he does these things with that kind of love in the process. So 2 Corinthians 12, 21 verses in 12 and then there's 13 verses in 13. I'm just going to read both chapters 12 and 13 to you and then we'll talk about it in the few minutes we have together. 2 Corinthians 12 beginning in verse 1. I must go on boasting. Although there's nothing to be gained, I will go on divisions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have made a fool of myself, but you drove me to it. I ought to have been commended by you, for I am not in the least inferior to the super apostles, even though I am nothing. The things that mark an apostle, signs, wonders, and miracles, were done among you with great perseverance. How were you inferior to the other churches, except that I was never a burden to you? Forgive me this wrong. Now I'm ready to visit you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you, because what I want is not your possessions, but you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. So I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. If I love you more, will you love me less? But that as it may, I have not been a burden to you. Yet, crafty fellow that I am, I caught you by trickery. Did I exploit you through any of these men I sent you? I urged Titus to go to you, and I sent our brother with him. Titus did not exploit you, did he? Did we not act in the same spirit and follow the same course? Have you been thinking all along that, you have been def uh, that we have been defending ourselves to you? We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ. And everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. For I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I am afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier, and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery in which they have indulged. This will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I now repeat it while absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sinned earlier or any of the others since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking, speaking through me. He is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For you, to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power we will live with him to serve you. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you, unless, of course, you fail the test? And I trust that you would discover that we have not failed the test. Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong, not that people will see that we have stood the test, but that you will do what is right, even though we may have seemed to have failed. 
For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong. And our prayer is for your perfection. That is why I write these things when I am absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority. The authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. Finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints send their greeting. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay. Quite a bit of stuff there, but uh, we'll break it down and we'll, we'll talk about it for the next 10, 15 minutes or so. As this uh, chapter 12 gets started, Paul um, has this interesting discussion that starts um, where he says, I'm going to keep boasting. And he talks about revelations the Lord had given him. And he talks about being caught up into the third heaven, um, which was, would be a reference to the highest part of the heavens, beyond the atmosphere and beyond the stars. Um, he's talking about the, the, the you know, sort of uh, the heaven, the, the big deal. Whatever that looks like. Now we know God is everywhere and God is with us and all those things. But, but wherever that place is, he got caught up there. And uh, that's got to be a pretty neat thing. And he says, really, I can't even talk much about it. So he only kind of tosses out little teasers into that whole spot of what's going on. Um, and he wasn't even sure if he'd gone in body or in spirit. He wasn't sure. He just knew that he'd been there. He said, only God knows that. But he said, I'm telling you I was there. And... Uh, uh, you know, it's that kind of revelation and stuff that really helped Paul in, in his entire ministry because he knew where he was headed. He knew what was coming. Um, he'd caught a glimpse. I think he, he earned a glimpse from all that he went through. And uh, he, he was able to say things, you know, for me to, to live as Christ, to die is gain. He knew everything that was coming. We have to take that by faith. Most of us haven't seen heaven. Um, but uh, he, he, he caught a glimpse and he said it was amazing. And, uh, you know, inexpressible. I heard things I can't even talk about there. I, I just, um, you know, when Georgina spoke a few weeks ago, she talked about heaven. It reminded me of how, how cool that is to look forward to. Um, and we get tastes and touches of it, but, but that we spend eternity with him is an amazing deal. And I, I often think why it doesn't say where this happened to Paul um, one of my ideas, so this would be a Steveism. So please don't say, well, you know, Pastor Steve said this, and he said this is absolutely what happened. This isn't, this is a Steveism. Um, I, you, and we talked about this in Acts chapter 14, verses 19 and 20. Do you remember um, when uh, Paul is, uh, is, is stoned to death? And dragged outside, the, well, he's stoned, and he acts like he's dead. And he's stoned, out, they drag him outside the city. I'll read you the verse, Acts 14, 19 through 20. And then you can, you can chew on it, and you can spit it out if you don't like it. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside, thinking that he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Um, I, I like this story for a lot of reasons. So I think it's possible that, you know, these guys carried him out thinking he was dead. He could have been for a little bit of time. And then, you know, he came back because he wasn't done. But he might have caught a glimpse of heaven in the process. And, uh, and so I don't know that that happened, but it's certainly a possibility. And I, I love that story, too, because they just stoned Paul. One of my favorite things about that story is he gets back up and goes back into the city. I love that about Paul. I mean, that, can you, they just 
This killed him with rocks, and he shakes it off and walks back into the city. I bet uh, they didn't try it again. Um, anyway, the, and then the next day he leaves town. But I love that about Paul. But anyway, I think that that's a possibility. It's in the realm of possibilities. That's when he caught a glimpse of heaven, that he actually had died and came back at that process. We don't know. Just something to think about. So again, don't, don't go, oh no, this is what happened. Could have. Then, in verses 6 through 10, Paul brings up another fascinating concept. His thorn in the flesh. His thorn in the flesh. And again, we can't be certain of what it is. Uh, it's called in there a messenger of Satan, um, but we're not sure what that even looks like. And there's a lot of ideas that kind of circulate around as saying, well, this is absolutely what it is. Um, uh, some of the top contenders are that he suffered from malaria, that he had epilepsy, or um, probably the, the most prominent of the ideas is he had some condition that impacted his eyes. And uh, that one comes out because he, has, he says, look how big I'm writing and stuff, because he can't see. And also from this verse, if you want to write it down, Galatians 4, 13 through 15, as you know, he said, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What has happened to all your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Um, so they think from that inference that perhaps he had something and that could, you know, he had some sort of eye condition that was causing him problem. The reality is, whatever the issue is, what the disease is, isn't, isn't the main thing. The point is that, that Paul has this ongoing issue that he has to deal with in his life. And it was a hindrance to his life and to his ministry. And so he prayed that God would take it away, but God never did. Instead, what God told him was that his grace was sufficient for him. Now, I don't know how you... Do uh, you ever... Just stop and think about that for a little while. Because here's Paul, who's totally given his life for God. And Paul is used by God to heal all sorts of people that he prays for. And here he's got this issue uh, that's, that's really a, a, a hindrance to what he thinks he needs to be doing. And he's, he said, he, you know, he prayed three times, God, take this thing away from me. And God says, uh-uh. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And I, I just wonder if you stop and consider that. Because I think sometimes we, we have stuff that goes on in our lives and we, we pray and ask God to take it away. And, he, and sometimes he does. And then other times it, it doesn't. And, and then we wonder what's going on and we question and we, we struggle and we, we don't get it. And, um, the reality is this. We will never fully understand why sometimes those things happen because we, we don't always get the sovereignty of God and then we, we sometimes presume on things and we, we expect things uh, our expectations get us in trouble and then they don't happen um, and yet our task our calling is to pray, believe and trust in God that's what we're called to do in all those difficult situations always remembering though the results are on God and that, that sometimes we won't figure out why we don't get the result we want, and that's okay. But a lot of times we struggle with that. And so when we don't get the result we want, we start beating ourselves up or other people up, assuming that it, the fault has to be on their end and that we're trying to find out why. And you've got to know that sometimes there's, 
God has different plans for things than we understand. And he uses things in different ways. Paul was able to say, you know what? I think God used it because he showed me that it was about him and not me. And that he used it because people could see that anything that Paul was doing wasn't about Paul, it was about God. So when Paul came in and ministered in power among them and all those things happened, they could say, well, that's obviously not Paul. It has to be God. And he wanted it to be that way. He, he wanted them, remember I said to you that Paul's whole deal was that people saw Christ through him and in him, that they didn't get their eyes fixed on Paul, but on Jesus. And that that needs to be the way all of us approach this whole thing. And, and so while God didn't heal Paul at that time, he did promise that he would, he would certainly work in and through him. And so really the, this concept is a great encouragement to all of us because God displays his power in our weakness. And you need to know that's a, good, that's a neat thing. Because if, if he only displayed his power in those areas that we had all together, there wouldn't be a whole lot of power being displayed because we don't have many areas that are all together. We've all got issues. And yet God works in those things, which is really cool. And so what that does when you get that, if you can take that in, in, all the, in, in light of everything that we've talked about and our responsibilities in the kingdom of God and our call to pray for people and expect the kingdom to break through and you know, we pray for people to be healed and we have faith that God's going to do those things, um, what this whole concept does is free us up from the results. Um, the results are on God. And we're to be persistent and we're to do all that we can but we're to, and we're to have faith, believing that God can and will break through. But what happens with that is always on God. And so when something tremendous happens, when you pray for someone and you see something really cool happen, that's because God did it, not because you did. You were just a vessel. And if something doesn't happen that you want to happen, you don't have to beat yourself up or beat the person up or, you know, well, I'm sure God would have done it. it must be, you must have some serious problem in your life, so that's why it's not happening. I don't see how that's very constructive um, because that reality is everybody's got problems in their life. If the reality, if the the... If in order for God to move in someone's life, that person has to be perfectly together, God can't move in anybody's life because none of us are perfectly together. So, so you know, we have to have some ideas uh, that, that God's able to work through us even when we're not really all together because we're not and that allows us to keep working for God. Keeps us, allows us to keep moving for God. It's really a very encouraging thing that, um, you know, we're to do the best we can, obviously, and we're trying to live a certain way, but, but we mess up, and God can still use us, which is a fascinating deal. And then uh, through the rest of uh, chapter 12, um, he reminds them again that he n never wanted to be a burden to them, that um, the people that they're listening to now have been this huge burden to him, and he said, that's what separates us. He said, Paul says to them, look, I care about you, and all these other guys care about your money. That's the big difference. And so who are you going to listen to? And he said, so... He, you know kind of think that and he his his only real desire Paul's real desire is that the believers in Corinthians would be blessed and experience the full life as the children of God then as we get into that last chapter uh, of 2nd Corinthians uh, chapter 13 he starts by saying okay when I get there guys uh, in those first few verses I got to deal with this stuff so please get it dealt with before I get there he's saying it kindly he's offering them tender mercy before they they get the other type um, when he shows up and says, okay, we're going to have to deal with the people that refuse to repent. So then we're just going to have to. And then in verses 4 to 7, he, he, he says this, look, um, what I want from you guys is to take a serious look at um, who you are in Christ 
and I want you to take it seriously. Um, I, I want you to start living doing the next right thing, which is what we talk about. And, and you know, the reality for all of us is if we're not actively seeking to grow closer to God, we're, we're drawing further away from Him. That's, the, that's what happens. If you're not really trying to continue to press on in Christ, you're heading in the wrong direction. So we have to keep on pressing on, and that's what he's telling. Keep pressing on. Take a look at where you're at, and then see what you can do to move forward in the process. That has a lot to do with what we talked about over the weekend, and uh, taking real honest evaluations of ourselves and where we're at, and trying to press on in God, trying to draw closer, trying to to make Him more of a priority. He should be the priority in our life, but you know, life gets in the way, and. We're in, a, in the next series we're going to do, we're about to finish up our weekend series this weekend. In the next series, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call it Staying Present in the Presence. And that my hope is, having, having hopefully encouraged you to get connected, is how can we now stay that way in the day? How can we, how can we see what God is up to and stay connected? Because if you're anything like me, maybe you're not, maybe you won't need this series, but um, I, I find myself um, having... Uh, even starting out really well the day comes and all of a sudden I forget some of the simple stuff and I get into the flesh real easy and I start you know people start coming in and I start being you know getting distracted by people I forget that it's not flesh and blood I maybe none of you ever have that happen right once you're in you're just good all day um, and then in my mind I'll catch myself thinking about stuff that doesn't even matter and then I'll, I'll start figuring out things that I don't need to figure out. I don't know if I'm making any sense to any of you, but I'll be thinking about something. Why am I spending my time running through all these different scenarios about stuff that hasn't even begun to happen? It's a huge waste of time, and it keeps me from being focused on what really matters. And so I'm, I'm trying to catch myself now, and that's a, that's a, whew, that's a big job. <laughs> but I'm hoping that, that, you know, getting connected and then, then staying through the process by being engaged and again we'll look at Jesus and use him as a model for that process in the weeks ahead um, so and then the last few verses 8 through 13 um, Paul's really showing his father's heart for the Corinthian church he said you know it's like I, I want to expend all I have on you shouldn't be the other way around it's me and again making that little difference between him and these other guys I'm here to spend what I have on you and, and uh, his desire is that they continue to grow and mature in a faith which has been a problem and, and the reality of that is in all of our lives and in, in, in all the ministries that God has given us what we're looking for is changed lives that's the bottom line see are we being changed by the spirit of God and is he allowing us to subtly move into other people's lives with the kingdom and the good news and see other people being changed that's, a, that's it that's really all we got to look at our lives being changed everything else is kind of secondary you know all, all sorts of neat things could be happening and if lives aren't being changed we're missing it because that's, that's how you know the spirit of God is at work that people's lives are being changed that they're, they don't want to just stay the same that they want to grow closer they want to draw near they want to be used they want to be available they, that, that they're different than they were that, that you know when you take a look at your life my, my hope is that you can look you know where you were six months ago and you can see that you're different already that, that you can look back at a year and see lots of things have changed and you know that, that it's a constant because the spirit of God is working us and none of us is done so there has to be change if we're, if we're listening to him and um, spending time with him and then I like this too like a good dad um, Paul's hope 
was to build up and strengthen the believers, not to tear them down. He said that in. He said, Look, my, the, everything that God's given me, the authority he's given me, is here to build you up. I don't want to tear you down. I don't want to use my authority wrongly and tear people down. I want to build them up. That's what Paul's saying. And that needs to be our heart, too. We, we're to be the people that encourage. We're to be people, build people up. We don't need to go in there and tear them down. We're to build them up. The world's hard enough. And so, you know, I, I was reminded again as I looked at that about the importance of our ministry of encouragement and how, um, you know, it just, again, reminded me that, that that's where our heart needs to be. Building people up, encouraging people, loving people well so that they can draw closer to Christ and they can continue to walk with Him. And so let's just, you know, from that whole chapter, let's be a people that always wants to build up and not to tear down. Because I think that's, you know, the heart of it and helps people experience who God is and the Spirit of God in changing their lives. And that's enough for today. If you're watching on television or on video, thank you so much for spending these moments with us. We know how valuable your time is. We appreciate you giving it to us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. You can always go to our website at keysvineyard.com if you have any prayer requests, and we'd be happy to pray for you. But we're going to shut it down there for today.